Hello and welcome. My name is Abby Spence and you are joining me for my podcast, Inside Out. And we're talking today about sexuality and relationships. And we're looking at some CQC guidance. And I'm talking today to Dawn Wallace, who is an ex-CQC policy manager and inspector. And I am Abby Spence, QCS contributor on registration and inspection. So hello, Dawn. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Abby. And where are you joining us today from? I'm actually joining you from the Republic of Ireland today. Different, a little bit different. So you no longer work for CQC. I don't. So you are overseas. And our conversation today is not um, from the viewpoint of CQC. So you are not talking as uh, a a staff member of CQC. You're talking as a professional. Yeah. And you are a professional. You've been um, in this uh, industry for many years. So how many years have you been uh, in social care? So I... I trained as a social worker and probation officer and I qualified in 1997. So that's a long time ago. (laughs) I'm not going to, there's no size from this side. Um, (laughs) I think we've both been in in this work for quite a long long time. time. Yes, yeah. Okay, so and when did you join CQC? How many years ago? I joined CQC in October 2011, if I remember correctly. Yeah, around 2011, as initially as an inspector. Right. Um, okay. So um you so you inspected, so you you know the job yeah. and you know what it is to work with providers. And then you moved into policy. I so did, yes. After, of a change. After a couple of years I moved into policy. I'd actually been involved in regulatory policy development in my previous role in the General Social Care Council. And that was kind of my long-term ambition was to to work back in policy after getting some um, inspection experience in a in a different setting. So um, okay. that's okay. how I moved you've over. Done quite, you've done quite quite a lot within the policy sector. You've contributed quite a lot within CQC. Um, some quite um, prominent pieces of work. Yeah. And. Um, and really, though, we want to talk as as you as a professional and um, having just a general chat with me about the relationships and sexuality in social care. And even saying it, I have to say, when I say those words, relationship and sexuality, even if I was down the pub, I would struggle yeah. to have that conversation. Um, so really, what's that what's that guidance piece about that CQC published? So it was, it was about exactly what you've just said, how difficult it is and how difficult we know that providers and staff in providers often find it to have those conversations. And, um, you know, if you think about not many years, let's say 10, 20, 30 years ago, even people didn't talk about sexuality. You know, it 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 wasn't on the agenda. It was hidden and particularly and I don't think this has changed that much in adult social care services, it's something that hasn't been high on the agenda in terms of meeting people's basic needs, you know, what food people Mm -hmm. need, what physical care supports do they need? And the emotional supports often came below that. And actually sexuality wasn't seen anywhere within that as as far as we could see. Okay, so can I ask you just a quick question? mm -hmm. Just interject there for a moment. So what do we mean by relationships and sexuality what does that actually mean okay so when we're talking about sexuality we're talking about the person's entire um, gender identity their sexual desires experiences their their body image um, and 
certainly for the guidance specifically, we, we use the definition um, to look at the broadest sense of sexuality. Mm -hmm. So understanding first and foremost that sexuality means different things to different groups of people. So um, we looked at all of the areas, including sex, masturbation, sensuality, physical in intimacy, alongside gender identity, sexual orientation, people's desire to express themselves sexually through dress, body image or grooming. So it covered it was like a, a blanket term for we all said of those words. Areas. Right there, yeah. you said a lot of words that yeah. you know would would make some of us blush. So yeah. I can understand why this is. I mean, writing it alone, you must have had mm. some very interesting conversations. So this is about how providers would um, would speak to people that they support within their yes. service. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So how the, the the crux of it is. If we're looking at meeting people's individual needs, their sexuality needs are a significant part of those needs. Um, if we're looking at people's needs holistically and we know and there's lots of evidence to support the fact that if people are empowered to talk about their sexuality, they are potentially less likely to be victims of any abuse in in those in those terms because they will feel empowered to talk out and speak up when they're right. at potential risk and also i guess this, it wasn't just for providers this was for inspectors too to know what sorts okay. of questions to ask providers to help us understand or to help help inspectors understand how their this this area of people's needs is being met okay so when you say that um that must again it's it's a tricky subject to be able to take to inspectors and say okay you've been asking about nutrition you've been asking about fluids you might say you might give a general question about equality and diversity and you'll take the first thing that somebody says back to you is right we tick that box and this is completely opening um, an area that inspectors wouldn't have been used to uh, some inspectors mm. wouldn't been used to um, speaking about I mean certainly in terms of equality and diversity they shouldn't have been just ticking a box I don't I don't, I don't think that's what what most most would have done but this was expanding on a very specific area in some ways however this is a, a massive part of a person's needs you know their, se their sexual needs sexuality needs and expressing oneself you know if you if you think in terms of you know bringing it back down to ground, if you're working with somebody who has dementia, for example, and they are expressing themselves in a certain way and you don't understand why they're expressing them in that way. Um, I mean, and th that could be, you know, what what's seen as sexually disinhibited behaviour could actually be about somebody trying to express their sexual needs. And if 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 we don't empower people to talk about what those are, or we don't empower people to feel safe to to be open about being gay, LGBT plus, you know, then and, and support staff to feel comfortable having those conversations. We're never going to support people to make sure that those needs are met. OK, so we're talking about we really are talking about person centred. Absolutely. Support. Yes. Um, here. So, OK, so I'm a provider and. I am hearing you talk and I'm thinking, whoa, where do I start? What on earth 
do I do? And you, there's this piece of guidance out by CQC. It mm -hmm. came out in 2019, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure lots of providers won't even know that it it's there. Um, so what would I expect to see within that that guidance piece? What's it What's it giving me? What How is it helping me as a provider? So it should help you to understand what we talked about at the beginning, which is, you know, what are we talking about here in terms of sexuality and relationships? What do we mean by sexual orientation and gender identity? It, it's got it's got some clear definitions of things like, you know, what does the term LGBT mean? And then there's there's a steer towards when when should a provider, because that would be a question they might ask, when 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 do I when do I assess somebody's sexuality needs? What, what, what do I do about that? And I think I think for this, it, it gives some some drivers to look at how you gain this information. So, you know, I don't think anybody for one minute would suggest that on the first assessment of meeting someone, you start plowing in with questions about their sexual identity. And for some people receiving um, adult social care, they may not be able to articulate this anyway, depending on what their health needs are or their emotional needs. And so that that sense of somebody's history of their person, this should be included in that. Yeah, so we, we don't have any qualms about asking about your family relationships, mm -hmm. you know, your mum, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your uncle, your aunties, who's been taking care of you. Um, we ought to we ought to be asking about other relationships too, you know. Yeah. There there are I I I read some time ago of us and it was when we were doing this work of somebody who had been in a care home for a long time and their partner was coming to visit them, but the assumption was that partner was his friend because nobody asked and they didn't feel safe or comfortable to explain that they were actually partners and had been long-term partners and supporting people particularly in same-sex relationships over the years I think there were particular there have been particular issues legal issues about next of kinship and that kind yeah. of thing yeah really key to helping look after someone and help them plan for their their futures whatever they might be you you need to understand what their relationships are out there Absolutely. and that's one end but, of the scale but what I would say Dawn and and some people may may also say and forgive me here because I am really um, speaking from the other side because we've got to hear what mm -hmm. our listeners may be um, thinking on this one is I wouldn't speak to my friend about this as, a, as an individual I, I've, I struggle to use the word sex for instance um, I'm not talking about me personally um, but you know it's something that uh, there may be people out there that that find this difficult and um, even within assessment, they 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 may find having those converse, conversations difficult. And some people may be talking to a generation that also are not used to talking about this. Yep, yep. So we might be talking about a residential home where uh, where people may be uh, in their 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. And some of these questions may seem incredibly intrusive. What's the deal there? Does this apply to everyone? Is are people going to get some marked down in some way or, or assessed as not doing what they should do if they are not exploring um, sexuality and relationships? I, 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 can't, I can't speak for inspectors, but I would that's say I think that. that's unlikely um, on the basis that, that, that as with any area of inspection, it's about what you are doing to address that. Mm -hmm. You know, for the provider who says, I'm not going anywhere near this, 
I'm not touching this with a barge pole, you know, oh, this this is too uncomfortable. That's not good enough. Absolutely. You know, that would not be good enough. In the same, by the same token, you wouldn't expect somebody, uh, uh, providers to be giving, you know, their, their staff a list of questions about people's sexuality needs and saying, go and ask Peter or James or Dawn this. Um, you know, you've got to make sure that you support your staff and train them to help them understand uh, about people's sexuality. And that starts with the very basics of equalities and diversity training, doesn't it? You know, exactly. being comfortable to have the very basic com uh, conversations and also not making judgments, value judgments and assumptions about what people are or what they're not. Um, and certainly I think that the very basic crux of that is, is the beginnings of training inequality and, di of di and diversity and human rights. That it's got to be founded in that. Um, and I think the ongoing understanding that you can't just launch into <laughs> these types of personal questions you know um we when we're assessing individuals needs we explore all manner of topics in a very sensitive way so mm. think for example somebody's continence needs yes yeah you're right you know, right i might not be being be comfortable asking somebody whether they are continent or not or asking their partner or their parent whether they are continent you know but we ask it because we have to to meet those needs Yes. And yeah. so on building a relationship with somebody and, and these things will always work better if you have staff who are relationship building with individuals rather than somebody who comes in and asks the question that they've never met before, you know, that they haven't had the opportunity to get to know, then then you can start to explore in a sensitive way what those needs might be. And that might also include specialist training. Um, in, in some areas, particularly around, um, you know, there are some brain injuries that might result in certain disinhibited behaviours mm -hmm. and staff need to understand that. They need to understand where that comes from and they need to understand people's behaviours in that way to protect the individual and potentially other people. So the person with dementia who gets into bed with somebody else because that's what they've done all their lives. They've got into bed with their partner. You know, that might be frowned upon, you know. Oh, you know, look what Dawn's done again. That's really awful. Well, actually, what can we do to support that person, to, to comfort them in a way, to give them a comfort that means they don't need to do that? Absolutely. I can completely hear what you're saying there. And I think it's really important to um, to highlight that it's not about getting a list of questions no. and boom, 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 right, that person's not said anything. That person's not said anything because you've just scared the, you know, yes. the living daylights out of them. It's about being, it's about being sensitive. It's about relationship. Yeah. Um, but it's also highlighting that when people do not have the capacity. Yes. That, that you cannot make decisions about their, um, sexual practice no, the, the best interest assessments can never ever be made in relation to a person consenting to sex that's black and white that's black and white and that is that is the end of that matter yeah. Yeah. and I, I I think that um it is all in what you've said today you've talked about training it's important to have the training it's the important that staff have support it's not about yes. <laughs> it's not about sending um 
a, a member of staff in that's that's just fresh into assessing yeah. people and saying right yeah. go on in there and oh by the way here's a list of questions about yeah. uh, sex and uh, relationships yeah. I think the other thing that I'm very interested in is that Skills for Care have released um, an article uh, not an article sorry a piece of guidance um, that really complements the CQC uh, work that's because they worked in partnership with them um, and I wonder whether we could meet another time to discuss that if that would be uh, something that you'd like to have a look into and 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 talk about further because they've gone one step further and they have they've given questions so they're giving some um how people can put this into practice yeah how providers can go that one step further but I really appreciate you taking appreciate you taking time to speak with me today okay. it's always a pleasure we've been colleagues in the past and um and I hope I can call you a friend, not just Absolutely. a Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Don Wallace, for joining me today. Much You're appreciated. Very well.